Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Virginia Reid. And today we're going to discuss sound therapy. Many of you may know sound has been used over the centuries, really, to appease, to calm, to incite. Recently, science has proved that it's actually very good for focused memory, concentration, milk production in cattle, and a sundry other things. But today I thought we should discuss something uniquely Australian, the didgeridoo, with Chris Neville. Chris, welcome to Wellbeing. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So, Chris, how did you become interested in the didgeridoo? Well, for me, it started probably about um, 15 years ago when I heard the didgeridoo played live. I'd heard it on documentaries and that sort of thing in the past, but there was something, I guess, intrinsically um, touching about the didgeridoo that I hadn't experienced before, and when I heard it live, it it moved me, (laughs) and I wanted to explore it some more. Uh, to the point that um, I really wanted to, to learn how to play the instrument and to uh, to unravel some of the, the things that are, I guess, lost to our modern world. Mm, so yeah. you already had that, no- you, you had that knowing when you first heard it. Sure. That they had the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah. And what were you doing at that particular point in time? I, I'd been um, involved in natural therapies. I'd, um, you know, had a... Uh, an understanding and have uh, been applying uh, different practices uh, from you know meditation to yoga and various other uh, approaches to maintaining or, or striving for wellness and for me there was something about I call it a universal language you know whether it be a, a song for world peace or otherwise there was something about sound and music that was really not only appealing but it was captivating Mm. And and it was like a, a dog with a bone, and and I just mm. had to pursue it, and so that was really the impetus to you know commence some research and uh, explore some things with regard to sound, and and in particular the didgeridoo and the impact that it has uh, in terms of providing uh, a sense of well-being, an experience of well-being, and also um, potentially creating um, healing within the body. You know, mm. and, and providing the the body a, a foundation to right itself, to heal itself. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened to you after that? Well, I had, um, you know, in layman's terms, just read a lot of different books and information on uh, on uh, on sound, and I guess some of the ancient uh, practices with regard to how sound was structured. You know, you can go back to Gregorian chants mm-hmm. and recognize that, you know, you can hear that. You may not necessarily understand Latin or Italian or otherwise. And being able to hear some of those chants, they're just very moving. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to, you know, some of the uh, the Hindu chants and uh, other hymns that may be Christian-based mm-hmm. and that there's something that is uplifting about something that is spiritual in nature irrespective of which direction you choose to to face Mm. and that there's there's something unified within that and from what i've researched that science can understand something that's spiritual through sound Mm. and and understanding of sound and frequency medicine what more has become known as energy medicine and and the broader platform that that provides Mm. And I've just explored that. And there was a period of time down in Melbourne when they launched the, the first uh, short course in energy medicine with Professor Mark Cohen. And 
Professor Roland Heber, that I participated in that, and they had some diagnostic equipment that could uh, do what they call live meridian analysis. And uh, I might backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. to, to give a foundation for what that is. Back in the mid-'70s, and I know you've had uh, a guest on your program that shared a little bit about some of the, the research that went on with the Russian uh, space program and the mm-hmm. Mir space station. In order to keep the cosmonauts healthy in space, they needed to uh, find ways that didn't introduce uh, foreign chemicals or, or other substances into the space station, so they uh, conducted research and to what's known as electrodermal mapping. And they found that there were certain uh, electrical pathways within the body that were more active than others, that the the skin actually conducts electricity and had little uh, pathways. When they finished doing this research with, you know, thousands of soldiers, they actually found that when they collated all this information and found out where the peaks of electrical conductivity were within the surface of the skin, that this completely mirrored and mapped the Chinese meridian system. So where they put the needles in the body, they actually showed scientifically that that actually exists. Mm. Lo and behold, 3,000 years, we couldn't actually throw out the door of Chinese medicine. And this was important because it showed that science was actually unraveling something that was always there, but there was always something that, you know, we know intrinsically that Mm. there's some something beneficial, but we no, may not be able to measure it. Exactly. So and with the mean? Newtonian model, that was the proof, the yeah. lack of the proof that the scientists wanted. Yeah, yeah. And, and now and we can measure it. <laughs> and, and I know that NASA did, did some similar things with the squid and, and all sorts of other research. That the squid. What is the squid? The, the squid was uh, a piece of technology that was able to measure the subtle energy fields around the body. Yeah, it's a magnetometer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it was really um, exciting because when I explain things to people, you know, a real experience is that if somebody walks up to you and they're behind you, they're not touching you, but you sense that they're behind you. What is that? Yeah. And so this is something that science, you know, it could be called a bioplasmic field or otherwise, but there is a subtle energy field that's been measured with Curlian photography. That and with the magnetometer. And the, with the magnetometer. And the squid, yeah. and, the squid and, and other devices mm. now that shows that, you know, life happens beyond just the, the boundary layer of the skin. Absolutely. And that's how we, you know, tap into the, the environment as such. Mm. But with the, the cosmonauts, what they were finding is that when they left the magnetic field of the Earth yes. and going into space, they were aging very rapidly. Yes. And, and so they needed to reproduce this frequency, and that was developed uh, into, you know, a technology. It's pulsating energy resonant therapy. It mm-hmm. replicates the magnetic field of the Earth, uh, on board the Mir space station. Mm-hmm. But they daily used to uh, have uh, an analysis where they had a, um, a technology, now that they knew that the meridians existed, that they were able to use these little probes, a bit like a pen, and they would place them just next to their fingernail mm-hmm. on either side of their fingers and their toes, and they would have all of this information beam back to Earth, and they'd say, Yuri, you're doing fine today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on the device for maybe 20 minutes, or, you know, the energy field is diminishing. Because what they were finding is that over a period of time, many of the cosmos were coming back 50% blind and 50% deaf or worse. Right. Because disease happens at a, uh, at a certain uh, frequency, and they knew that life force and vitality 
happened at another frequency mm-hmm. and that this was what made up the, the, the body mm-hmm. um, was a, a life force and a vitality that mm-hmm. was now measurable over time. Over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so it became fascinating to me that they were not, able, not only able to measure the life force traveling through these meridians and mm. these pathways of the body, mm. but these pathways could be stimulated through needles, mm-hmm. they could be stimulated through electro mm-hmm. uh, stimulation, but also sound mm. and mm. light, that mm. they could do color puncture and that this was actually mm. valid mm. with certain colors, so that if you spoke with somebody in the telephone and you could talk to a friend, you could hear something missing in the quality of their voice and mm-hmm. you go, you know, what's up? You, you don't seem yourself. Right. And you could, you know, we, you can we have, sense it. You, you could sense it. So mm-hmm. we just... The change in vibration. Yeah, change in vibration mm. and you knew that there's something wasn't quite right, whether mm. it be the tone of the voice or that they're really, they're not well. Mm. The vitality mm-hmm. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. sense that because mm. of the, the resonance. Mm. But with the, the didgeridoo, I found that, you know, what's, what's not... Uh, particularly well known in, in, in the Western world is the fact that the didgeridoo is not uh, just a musical instrument. For some it may be boring. For me it's quite exciting. Mm. It can be used in a lot of different applications. But where somebody may have, as an example, kidney stones uh, or some other diseasement, that sound, whether it be ultrasound or otherwise, or a frequency can actually be used to shake, rattle and roll and actually cause a, um, a disbursement of that energy. Mm. And the didgeridoo is capable of doing just that as well. And does it make people very unwell after they've had a treatment? Because lithotripsy, which is what traditional Western medicine mm-hmm. used for a while to blast kidney stones, what the problem with it is is that very often afterwards it blasts it must blast immune cells and things because they became more susceptible to the infection which was probably there because of the stasis from the stones and they developed more cases of gram negative septicemia etc after their procedure so it's not as commonly used anymore simply because it was a bit and it was a bit disappointing to us because we thought we had a great tool mm-hmm. but lo and behold we'd overkilled and you know, people were getting sicker from the treatment, so the treatment reverted to operation. Mm-hmm. So didgeridoo doesn't tend to have that nasty side effect? No, it, <laughs> it certainly doesn't. I, I think if you contemplate that, that there's certain music that grinds on your nerves, mm-hmm. right? And yes. certain, I have a 15-year-old. I okay, am aware well, of this. We've got, <laughs> we've got different types of music. But there's something about music that you want to dance to, mm-hmm. music that you want to move to, and music that... that you know, realistically, uh, has an impact on your heartbeat and your pattern and, and causes you to feel more relaxed. Mm. It does. Well, I presume the Gregorian chants and the hymns and the Sufi music, etc., was designed to connect you more to the divine because often you were in a place where you worshipped the divine. Mm-hmm. So that connection to the divine, do you think that is perhaps one of the potentials of the didgeridoo, which likewise, I think, would have been designed for corroborees, etc., no? Well, spiritual, it doesn't matter which way uh, or what your practice is that represents a greater aspect of life and a greater purpose or or meaning to life. And there is a regimented pattern for designing and building songs that were chanted with a big mathematical formula yeah Yeah. and you know very similar to Freulich and the the biologist who described the various frequencies of energy in Mm -hmm. a hierarchy of a biological system Mm -hmm. 
the maths is the same. So that's fascinating to oh, me. It goes back to, you could talk about the golden mean and the mathematics behind the, you know, the, uh, the golden spiral and, and those sort of things as far as mathematics is concerned. And what's been extraordinary is that there's a new research known as cymatics. And cymatics was a, a research done by a Swiss physicist that was able to show that sound impacted matter, but it also produced a, a geometric pattern, and that these geometric patterns had a mathematical formula in yeah. terms of its design. Yeah. But when you, as an example, uh, were to have either a, uh, a drum skin and you were to make a certain sound by the skin, mm -hmm. the powder or mm -hmm. whatever material that you had on there would vibrate. So yeah. something inanimate would become animated by sound yeah. and that energy would cause it to reassemble itself into a geometric pattern. Mm -hmm. Now that th that's extraordinary because it, it showed that there was some intelligence contained within sound, mm -hmm. just a pure tone. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, a lot of research. Um, Sir Peter Manners in the UK has been working with this uh, somatics and um, there's something known as a cymoscope that you can check and test different vibrational patterns and you can tell through speech therapy or otherwise certain things that are missing within mm. you know, what makes up the individual and a balanced mm. frequency within that person. Mm. And this representation geometrically of these different uh, tones and the power of sound, there's a Dr. Masaru Emoto who uh, did some profound research with the messages from water and showed that sound, mm. and in particular just thought, has an impact on water. Mm. Emotions. And, and the emotions mm. in the body basically mm. being, you know... Uh, better than 70% water, water. Mm. Um, has um, the capacity to be impacted by our thoughts and our feelings and certainly music. Mm. So this was uh, two different approaches, but it showed and demonstrated that this invisible realm of sound can be measured and monitored and given some sort of a dimension. So you think, well, what makes sound therapeutic? Mm. And there are certain things that cause um, the body to feel more invigorated, more alive. And what I understand as far as the healing and wellness approach is that when we've had an experience of trauma or injury, our breathing stops for that moment. And so what we're doing in effect is <gasps> we're holding our breath and we're locking that experience in. And if the body hasn't released that trauma over time, it can produce dis-ease, mm. emotionally and potentially physically. Mm. And by being able to stimulate that energy that was locked in the body, this can actually release and not manifest as dis-ease. And have you actually seen evidence of that in your own practice using the didgeridoo for healing? Sure. People have emotional reactions? Sure. You know, there are without uh, talking. Without talking, um, I mean, I, I've uh, run workshops and seminars, and there was an experience <coughs> where um, I'd had a group of teenagers there, and I um, was able to perceive a certain uh, experience happening for one of the, one of the girls that were was uh, participating, and there's a very very straight question that I asked her, and and it's like. 
caused everybody to tune in as such. And I I just looked at uh, Julia as her name, and I said, Julia, I said, how long's it been since you've had a period? And as deathly silence, because it's like that's a pretty straightforward question to ask mm. somebody sixteen years old, mm. right? Mm. And and I knew that it was a had been uh, a bit of a shock for her, mm. and I, I just asked her to take a breath, mm. and she went, "Oh, uh, seven months." And I said, "That's all I need to know, darling." Mm. And I said, "Take a breath, close your eyes. Where are you?" And seven months ago, she had been an exchange student in Kenya, mm. right? And all the teenagers had actually, some of them went to Russia, some of them went to Nepal, some of them went to Canada, etc., as exchange students for three months. But she was in a compromising situation with the father of the household in Kenya, nowhere to go as a young woman. Mm. What every parent dreads, I tell you. What every parent dreads, absolutely. Mm. Mm. But more importantly for her is that the body had gone into terror. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I didn't have to know the story, mm. but I was the, the seven months where she hadn't had the period. Mm. And I had actually quite simply played the didgeridoo at her feet as mm-hmm. she stood, mm-hmm. and I played it straight through the central channel or central meridian of the body. Mm-hmm. And as I hit the ovary area, it's like popping a bottle of champagne. Mm. It just, the grief just flowed and the tears flowed, mm. and there was the room was really filled with compassion mm. for what it, she had experienced. Mm, for fellow fellow uh, female. Yeah. Fellow female. And also, a, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're coming into a vulnerable time of their life where they're coming from, you know, in, into a period of being a young woman and they're making mm. certain de- decisions about their boundaries and their sensuality, mm. sexuality. So mm. it was a, a very big moment for everybody. And what had happened, I brought over one of... Uh, her friends, who I knew, you know, the good buddies. His name was Michael. And while she was there, I just got her simply to be in the presence of a man mm. as a friend. And mm. I said, I have Michael with me, mm. and he's just going to hold you as a friend. Mm. Mm. And I just want you to say it's safe for me mm. to be a woman. Yeah. And the <laughs> the waterworks was on for everybody. It was a mm. really magic moment. Mm. What had happened when this had completed, it's a bit like champagne doesn't fizz forever, goes flat mm-hmm. and the energy had resolved yeah. uh, itself and this was probably over a period of 20 minutes this mm. whole process mm. we paused and we had a break what i call a p and t break and everybody you know went went down to the four directions and we had a bit of time out and a bit of music playing we're just about to commence the next session of the the workshop and i was mid-flight during conversation and she just comes over to me and i paused for a moment and i look at her and she just looked at me and she said, they've started. And I said, what do you mean? She said, mm. my period yeah. started. Yeah. Yeah. Now, from seven months yeah. of no period mm. to an expression of engaging the emotion that mm. causes the lock. Mm. Now, sometimes it's not as cathartic. Mm. For everybody's mm. got a different way of responding. Right. But that just happened to be an example of something physical in- that demonstrated <laughs> very, very quickly yeah. within the course of half an hour. Mm. The body mm. realigning itself, mm. and that this young woman, who is now a vet, mm. and and just recently had come to visit me uh, on the on the Gold Coast, and said, mm. "You have no idea of how you changed my life yes. with that." Yes, yes, because being a vet, in you know, it's a very masculine. It can be a, a very you know, mas- a challenging world if you've if you've got issues with men. Mm. So that 
has an enormous impact on that girl's working life and personal life. But that's a, that's a fantastic example of psychosomatic medicine, mm. isn't it? Mm. I mean, people use that as a dirty word almost, psychosomatic, and I think it's where it's at. Yeah. It is psychosom. It's the whole spirit. And yeah. so what you're saying is the dig can tap into the complete... A picture, if you like, doesn't need a whole story, etc. It, it can just I, tap you don't in need to, to resolve and, and try yeah. to um, go through and regurgitate a life experience. I think yeah. once what happens is, as soon as you have a thread mm-hmm. that goes to an experience mm-hmm. that caused um, the lack of joy, the lack of mm-hmm. life, or otherwise, or disease, as you said, asymmetry in the dis- in the energy ease. field and. The didgeridoo is something that's incredibly nurturing. There's there's a whole research, whether it be the Mozart effect or otherwise, mm. but, you know, they introduced classical music for premature babies. Mm. And what they found mm. is that this classical music was able to, um, in fact, have a photograph of um, 10 children that are lined up in humidity cribs with headphones on. Mm. I mean, it's extraordinary <laughs> in, in Latvia of all places. <laughs> And they've got classical music being played to them, mm. and the mortality and the death rate mm. drop by something like 50 to 70%. Mm. Without losing babies because of premature birth, mm. and just music mm. was able to encase them and soothe them, mm. this trauma of mm. being born too soon, and hold mm. them mm. until they could mm. grow mm. to be healthy little babies. Yeah, absolutely. And why do you think it is that that sort of research is not picked up and run with to a large extent? I think it boils down to economics, really. Right. Um, you know, there there are things that may be um, supporting um, different systems within medicine today, mm. but I think it's really looking at the, the whole person mm. and the fact that, you know, the advancements in medicine today, whether you look at some of the things that, with magnetic resonant imaging and some of the things there, well, that comes back to the research that they're doing with the cosmonauts as well. Absolutely. You it's know? just so another piece of evidence. What we're, what we're playing with now is um, it, it are things that are non-invasive, mm. but sound and frequency, I believe, from just mm. personal experience and some of the research with other doctors that have been involved with, um, you know, Professor uh, Roland Heber is a, is a medical doctor and a specialist, but he's also a doctor in Chinese medicine, and, and he treated some of the most prestigious uh, business people in, in Asia, mm. and uh, he was a personal physician to them. And he had a real appreciation for what the didgeridoo is about. And so we did some sessions with the didgeridoo and you can measure through live meridian analysis what happens in the body and there are all sorts of other instrumentation that can actually show Mm. this is your energy field right now and just through listening to the didgeridoo let alone having the didgeridoo played over the body in certain areas of the body Mm. the body responds you know, mm. that there's something soothing about the, the didgeridoo that... It, it's is, probably more than soothing, though, isn't it? I mean, it, it's lasting, it shifts. I, I perceive soothing as something that, you know, you put on and then maybe it'll come... It's a bit too gentle, if you like. No, I, I, I it agree. It comes back it, again. It, Whereas if you can actually effect that asymmetry or disease and get a physiological response such as 
the relief of what we call amenorrhea, a lack mm-hmm. of periods. Mm-hmm. So if you can have such an effect on that system, which is a very, it's the wings of a butterfly, I always say, mm-hmm. the hormonal system. It mm-hmm. is where it's at. That's mm-hmm. why I guess I love them so much. Yeah. Because the higher uh, governance, the hippocampus, the, 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 the place that that whole system comes from, is terribly sensitive to all sorts of energies, most of all thought waves and things. Mm-hmm. So it's no, which are tiny, you know, when you, but you can measure them. You can mm-hmm. measure the electromagnetic field set up by a thought wave. Sure. And they're doing that now. Uh, and knowing what effect that has. So if you can effect a change just by negative thinking, imagine, or positive thinking, mm-hmm. imagine what you can do with something that has a different range of frequencies, amplitudes, etc., such as the didgeridoo. Mm. Well, the, the didgeridoo is, um, it's an ancient wind instrument, as we know, uh, but <laughs> more importantly, uh, in fact, that there's more... Put re- simply. Yeah. <laughs> the, there... It's it's a bit like acupuncture without needles. Yeah. You know, you can direct sound into a certain area of the body and bring about, you know, if you can, as an image, getting the kinks out of a hose so Mm. the water flows through the hose Mm. better. Mm. And so it can water the garden of the body Mm. more so with the life force and allow it to water itself. So, Mm. Well, it enables the life force in. Mm -hmm. The kink, you know, disallows it. Yes. So it's not like you're doing anything specifically to people other than getting out their kinks so they that, can do it for themselves. Well, you know, it, it's it's like if somebody gives you a massage on the shoulders. I mean, it, it, it gets out the kinks and you feel better. Mm. But there is something that uh, once the pathway, is, it, it's if you can imagine being caught up in a traffic jam because the lollipop man's there and they've got the roadworks going on, but when that construction site has moved out of the way, that road just operates and it's forever now the pathway and the, the highway for information, life force or otherwise to flow through the body. Mm. And, um, and these are just analogies uh, as an example, but it really, it's measurable and that's the exciting thing about right now mm. is that science is now in a situation where they can bring about some form of representation that indicates something must be happening and that something is showing to us Mm. that it is more in line with life, Mm. more in line with wellness. Mm. And you can experience it. You don't how, how do you measure the, the, the benefit of sunshine on the body in <laughs> terms of feeling better? Hmm. But um, And so how can people experience it? Well, for, for me, what I, I, I do is I work with, um, you know, harmonic tonic is, is what I uh, coined the phrase of didgeridoo sound healing. And, you know, when somebody's not around, they can work with didgeridoo sound healing, certainly listening to... Uh, the music, some of it's been recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fortunate enough to do a recording with uh, with the Tibetan monks, mm-hmm. and they combined, you know, uh, an ancient chant tradition with the didgeridoo, which was the first time that they combined that, and it was also blended with uh, cello mm. and also shakuhachi, which is the bamboo flute. Mm. Now, this was a, an ancient practice that had gone on, and, you know, from whether it be Hindu... The sound of om, mm. for those who may not be familiar with it, is very, very similar to the sound of amen. Mm-hmm. So from a Christian perspective of saying amen, you can mm-hmm. measure that vibrational pattern 
Om and Amen and Shalom and Shalom mm-hmm. are very very similar. So mm-hmm. there is a a combination of these things. It's to me the many many colors for the one rainbow mm. in effect. Mm. Yes, and, and um, the many frequencies the that many constitute frequencies, a rainbow. But it's the same basis being is that they're, they're coming back to this this sense of unity with all life, with mm. with the great spirit, with God, whatever you perceive mm. that mm. to be, mm. and that that sound is a unifier in wellness mm. with an understanding through science mm. that can bring both of those worlds together. Mm. And so how can people actually access yourself or, you know, the sort of um, recordings that you're talking about? Well, I've, uh, we've, we've done a couple of recordings. The, the Sounds of Global Harmony CD, that was uh, recorded with the, the Ghetto Monks, with Sarah Hopkins on cello and Norman on the, the shakuhachi and a couple of other instruments. Uh, we also do harmonic overtone chanting, which is a, quite a neat thing. They can um, purchase it online. I have a website. And would you mind giving that web address to us? Sure. It's www.chrisneville.net. Fantastic. Chris, it's been a wonderful discussion. I'm sure that there's a lot more that, well, I know that there's a lot more that you know that you could tell us, but we've run out of time, I'm afraid. But from all of us here at Wellbeing, thank you very much for your time and for continuing this sort of work. Absolute pleasure, and thank you very much for your hospitality. (laughs) Chris Neville, didgeridoo sound therapist from the Gold Coast. I'm Dr Virginia Reid. Thanks for listening, and from all of us here at Wellbeing, we wish you well.